0: Las Vegas. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports Instant Analysis Edition. Just moments after Canelo Alvarez knocks out Sergey Kovalev to capture a piece of the light heavyweight title and become boxing's first three division simultaneous world champion. What a night for box. What a night for Big Red. The Brian Campbell, undisputably. The voice that you hear. Wow, what a weekend in Las Vegas. We're going to break things down on this card. Break down what happened, where they go next, all that big stuff. You know it was supposed to be your boy BC and Big Red, not Canelo. He did his thing in the ring. Big Red, Rafe Bugs, Rafe Bartholomew in Detroit. Is he game, though? Is he game right now?
1: will never fuck. I'll Jack, I'll be there till
0: I can't or is he a jacka? Unbelievable! He's a jacker. He will not be joining us right now. We do love us some rave bugs.
1: Bomber, you game?
0: A He's a jacker. Um, Mikey Mormile, the producer, stepping up and putting the big boy headphones on. Mikey, this is um, a CBS Sports podcast producer extraordinaire. Um, this is very ballsy of you, Mikey, to join us. You gotta give Mikey the Ball Sack of the Year award. Uh, but welcome. You were ringside along with me in Las Vegas. Um, uh, a wild night, a crazy night. Is on no delaying the broadcast. We'll get to that. But. For your first pay-per-view-ish boxing match. Or first boxing spectacular in person ever.
1: You get the feels? That was awesome. When when the, um, the Mexican crowd erupted as Canelo came out, uh, that was incredible. The arena was going nuts for him. And I haven't felt something like that in a while. So... Yeah, it hit me in the field. Yeah,
0: Mexico. this was a, an odd fight week. I've been to many Canelo fight weeks in Las Vegas. This one really didn't pick up until late. And by late, I mean basically the main event on fight night after that long 90-minute wait. And they did shell, sell out for Canelo and show out, if you will. And uh wow, we're going to get into that. I want to remind everybody that uh if you did not catch all the bonus audio we gave you this week, from Podcast Row, from Radio Row in Las Vegas, please check out our interview specials, bonus pods, on Thursday and Friday of this past week. Yeah, we talk about who will win Canelo Koval of a fight, you already know, but plenty of great stuff in there. You want to hear Larry Merchant tell great boxing stories, you're going to want to hear that. Bernard Hopkins changing lives, you want to hear that stuff. All right, Mikey Mooremile, let's get into this fight, but let's do that. After we pause for a quick word from our friends and sponsors, yes, dig it. This is Tony Kornheiser
1: show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts
0: All right, your boy, BC, producer Mikey Moormile filling in for Rafe Bugs. Let's break this thing down. IA, instant analysis style. Canelo Alvarez moving up two weight divisions. TKO11 on Sergey Kovalev. Mike, this was a really, really interesting fight in the end. We had built up the drama all week, talking to everybody about this fight and saying, what would happen? The moment middleweight champion Canelo Alvarez feels... That stiff, quick, hard jab from Sergei Kovalev feels the punch of not just a legitimate light heavyweight, but we're talking about one of the greatest finishers in this modern era And Sergei Kovalev. Crazy enough, Mike, that narrative never really took over the fight and took place. What we saw instead was Kovalev, the boxer, and Canelo, the stalker, the puncher. How quickly did you sort of, you know wake up and go, okay, this is how the fight's going to go. Like, you're waiting for that big moment, and it never really happened early.
1: In in round two, I feel like there was a point where Canelo started stalking him down in that ring and backing him up into the ropes a little bit and being the aggressor. And right at that point, it, it kind of dawned on me that this is probably going to be Canelo's night. And everyone that we talked to said, hey, he needs to drag him out into the deep waters. And exactly what you said, Kovalev didn't really land a big shot to let us know if we're if Canelo has the chin to be at this weight.
0: That's interesting, So in the end, Kovalev fought brilliantly. he used his jab, he kept himself in the fight by boxing that big traditional late fade by Kovalev, the front runner never really happened. There were little glimpses where I thought he was going in the wrong direction, and then he was able to right the ship. But he, everyone who said coming in, the easiest way to handicap this fight is to realize this. Sergey Kovalev's no longer the the crusher. He's 36 years old. He's aftermarket. Yes, he can still box, and he's been able to preserve his career. But he's Sergey Kovalev now, not the crusher. And that turned out to be true for everything I said coming into this fight that he needs to be the aggressor. He needs to push Canelo around. He needs to be the bigger man. He needs to be the bully. He needs to stalk him. What if he came out and Hagler hearns him? And we had everybody on the show this week, including his own trainer, Buddy McGurk, going, no, bro, he's got a box. He's got to be who he is. He did that. And he almost won the damn fight with that. Because at the time of the stoppage in round 11, Mike, two judges, Dave Moretti and and, uh, Julie Letterman, have it 96-94 for Canelo. Not surprising, given Canelo's history. Third judge, Dontrella of Connecticut, had it 95-95. I also had it 95-95. And people giving me hell on Twitter for it. It was that close of a fight. Kovalev was in this fight and was going to have a legitimate chance to win it. And yet Canelo Avra Canelo said, I'm not just the smaller man who's going to act like the bigger man in this fight and walk him down. I'm going to find my opening and knock his ass out. It was a combination that really hurt Kovalev started to see him backpedal a little bit, and then it was a vicious two-punch combination. Left hook, right cross, crumbled him into the ropes, and that was the end of the fight. What you can't do in this spot is be like Kovalev was too old. What you can't do in this spot is be like Canelo beat a corpse. Let's not give him the credit. I have so much credit I'm ready to give Canelo Alvarez right now. We know how much people love the guy. Where's uh, Stephen A. on that? Please, let's bring in Stephen A. for a second. Are you here with us, Stephen Are you? I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. So do I. And this was like a transcendent performance. I mean, it was just three years ago. I keep harping on this. We didn't think Canelo was big enough to be a middleweight contender. We thought he was ducking triple G. Guys, he just went up unified belts at 60. Took Rocky Fielding Saul. Okay. Then he goes in and knocks the hell out of Kovalev in a competitive fight. True or false right now, Mikey Mormile? Tell me Canelo Alvarez is not your pound-for-pound pound
1: king right now. He put on a performance tonight, BC. I, when I first realized that I was coming out here, I was immediately, immediately with my amateur boxing knowledge, I was immediately like, well, I'm going to put some money on Kovalev. He is massive compared to Canelo. And like I said, when I saw Canelo walking him down in that second... In that second, third round and starting to change the tide. And I I realized it was going to be a, uh, a pretty easy Canelo win. And it didn't look that way on the scorecards. Like you said, I had it in uh, I had it ninety seven, ninety five, I believe, uh, Canelo at the time of the knockout. So he really impressed me with what he did. And I don't think it's possible after what he did tonight to not have him as number one.
0: And this and I, is a crazy era of pop for Pound, starting to interrupt you, where the first time I can ever remember where you have five to six fighters with a legitimate ass claim. Normally, it's like, okay, Floyd's number one. Maybe you can make an argument for Pacquiao or Andre Ward, but it's 75% Floyd. Now you've got like five or six guys. You get Lomachenko, Crawford, Spence, Anouye, Usyk. I mean, you've got people that have a argument, and Canelo was just like, top this. I mean, can I tell you Canelo's last 12 months? You ready for this? Give it to me, BC. Comes off of the controversial win over Triple G in the, in the rematch, but people thought, oh, look, I scored for Triple G, but, but a lot of people thought if you're going to score one of those two fights for Canelo, you do the rematch, he walked Triple G down. He was the bigger man. On two months turnaround, he moves up to 68, wins a title from Rocky Fielding, folds him in half. We all go, okay, it's a secondary title. Rocky Fielding's not a killer. Okay, so what happens in May? Moves back down the middleweight, unifies titles in a great boxing performance against Daniel Jacobs. And now he goes into uncharted territory, two divisions up, and knocks out Sergei Kovalev. Like, we do have to stop here, even though he was the favorite. Even though we all inevitably predicted this would happen, it, was, it wasn't cheaply done. Kovalev didn't gas and fall. Kovalev didn't walk into something stupid. I mean, at that time of that stoppage, I mentioned two or three judges had it slightly for Canelo. How many people on Twitter had it for Kovalev? Many. How many? Where's, can we bring in Richard, Richard Dwyer? Where are you, Richard?
1: I it's Dwyer, the week of the fight.
0: Richard, how many guys on Twitter had it for Kovalev at the time of the stoppage?
1: Many guys. Many guys. Many guys.
0: I mean, you need guys when you want to settle a debate like this. Where's Triple G? I- You got a lot of guys to the point that there's guys on Twitter and my mentions, Mikey, who are killing me over my scorecard because of the first three rounds. So I want to settle this because people are telling me to kill myself and my children. Yes, I had a 30 to 27 Canelo. I didn't see the broadcast, but I'm sure Dazone had. I'm sure Dazone had to have had Kovalev up three nothing because of the vitriol that I got. Here we go, folks. Let's break it down again. Okay. First, you got to understand my vantage point. Golden Boy didn't do that Oscar double cross and put us up deep in the crowd, but they put us on the back end of the floor. Well, beggars can't be choosers, but beggars will be choosers, alright? We were on the back end of the floor with rich people standing up in front of us. That's one thing. Two, I'm doing a live blog, so, you know, I don't have the benefit of instant replay. I don't have a lot of things. I'm looking up, I'm looking down. But when you are that close, and I was close enough, you do get to see things that you cannot see watching the TV broadcast. There's times when you're blinded by the referee or the crowd influences you. And there's times where you'd rather be scoring from home. But in this case, Mikey, you were right with me at ringside. I thought those first three rounds, I saw Kovalev trying to jab and be the ring general, but pawing with the jab, not landing it stiff. And Canelo three to four times each round, countering hard. And I'm like, Canelo's being the bigger man. He's up three nothing. People watching at home. I don't know. Maybe the broadcast influenced them. It, everyone, everyone, and their mother on Twitter. The Cliff rolls. Everybody in the world on Twitter had a three
1: nothing Kovalev, but
0: it was one of those fights. You have to admit that he he
1: he wasn't landing um, his hard jabs like you landed against Ward, which dropped Ward. He wasn't landing those. They were more of a short jab and kind of keeping it out there and trying to slip it through Canelo's gloves during that point. And I I'm with you, BC. I had Canelo up two to one going into that fourth round. So
0: it's what you preferred. It was the classic sort of debate of volume guy, which turned out to be Kovalev. And he really wasn't letting his right hand go, something we just talked about. We never really saw Kovalev commit and sit down. What he did commit to is I'm going to jab all night and had rounds where he had success. But every round you're going, did I like the four counter shots from Canelo and the body shots because he was smartly putting the money in the bank early? Or did I like Kovalev's ring generalship? There were moments that I did. I'm going to give Canelo this credit. Do you remember round eight? Canelo was circling away. I thought he was. I thought he was gassed. I thought he was ready to. What's that term that we should say in boxing when a guy, you know, has had energy in the jug but poured it all out? You know what I mean? Mm. You know
1: where I'm going with this? I'm trying to think of the right word, B.C.
0: I mean, let's bring in Floyd. How would you describe that? Let him
1: shoot his load, oh, and then down the stretch, do what we do best. I
0: thought he was going to – I thought he might even do more than just shoot it. Where's Tevin Farmer?
1: One thing that he did wrong night was he just, oh, he just threw, he
0: threw his load. He, he basically threw – I thought he threw his load, and then Canelo comes out that next round and walks Kovalev down and lands big shots. What an interesting technical fight when I really thought – Maybe it would be Canelo who had early success. Maybe Kovalev would go, I can't box with this guy. I've got a punch. It's just it is baffling to me that Alvarez, the smaller fighter, played the role of the bigger fighter. But let's talk about why that may have been the case, though, Mike.
1: Did did this surprise you, BC, real quick? Did it surprise you that Canelo was able to carry his power up the 2 weight classes? It did, and this is part of this conversation, which is interesting.
0: Here's what Kovalev said leading into the fight. He basically said, look. And when I interviewed him and you heard that interview on our podcast, you know, when I sort of said, uh, are you – what do you feel about facing his middleweight power? And he's like, I'm not going to face a middleweight. I'm facing light heavyweight power. It was Kovalev who gave Canelo all the credit coming in under the basis of this. Canelo is able to put on weight and basically fight at his natural weight rather than cutting and be strong and quick and all that. And Kovalev is basically telling us, look, I st- – I cut down really hard to get to 175 no matter what whether I'm old or young Kovalev's always been in that that tweener area between light heavyweight and cruiserweight where it's not smart to go up to cruiser so he's got to kill himself so he said from the beginning I'm going to be a diminished fighter against Canelo who's coming in on like you know eating what he wants you know whatever so was I surprised Canelo carried everything no because I'm starting to realize that Canelo is not just you know, we, okay, we say this is the Canelo era. I say that. So I obviously understand that Canelo is an all-time great, but he's really, really, really showing you that he's an all-time great now. So I'm not surprised, but if I step back from that argument, am I surprised that Canelo, the unified middleweight champion, just walked down Sergey Kovalev and was the bigger puncher? Yeah, I'm pretty damn surprised. So here's part of why that may had to be one because Kovalev always has a hard cut to 75. We saw him on the scale on Friday. Had to strip down to his to his uh package needed needed to, an extra second to fart in the wind off the side and get himself back down to 175. But Mikey, did you see the report from Keith Ideck of Boxing Scene that came out about this rehydration clause that nobody wanted to talk about? And here's where we had a little bit of an issue. We spent so long in the build up through columns, podcasts, saying Canelo, you are the man. You are more man than us. We love everything about you being the man. I am more man. I have bigger huevos. Your huevos are so big that you're not making Sergei Kovalev cut down to a catchway. You're saying, I want to beat you straight up, right? Pay that man his money. Uh, chick, chick, chick. All night long. Alligator blood. Teddy KGB. Shout out. Um But the real deal is, Mike, if there really was this rehydration clause, which means Kovalev this morning, couldn't be above, I believe it was 185 pounds. Keith Heideck reported that nobody would talk about it because Canelo made them sign a non-disclosure agreement not to, and there would be heavy financial things. So you're going to say to yourself, okay, we we found out. Does that make this any less of a impressive performance? No, because historically, all the smaller fighters that move up, Whether it's Floyd against Canelo, Oscar against B-Hop, everybody against everybody makes the bigger guy do something to compromise him. This compromised him. And you can argue and say, hey, wasn't Kovalev the former IBF champion? He's used to the next-day rehydration clause limit. It just came across as a little slimy. Maybe because we'd been all over Canelo Schwan's for so long, right?
1: I think, I think, I get what you're saying. I think if they came out and just told us straight off the get-go, we'd probably have a very similar reaction to what we had. We'd probably still write all these articles saying all this stuff. But since they didn't tell us about it and now it's coming out, I agree. It's it's a little slimy when it comes out that way. Yes.
0: But in the end, Canelo's always ready. I was born ready. <laughs> Thank you, Canelo. Born ready. We'll see you Saturday night. And we did. We saw him become the Pound for Pound King. And by the way, hold. press pause. We're going to have this zone debate in a second. Do not forget that. Um, this was damn impressive, however you want to slice it. And I think what made this performance more impressive was that we do have to pour one out for Sergey Kovalev. Because he didn't, he didn't fall victim to all the things we said coming in, right? We said he's going to get folded up by body shots. He didn't! We said he's going to gas. He didn't necessarily. Like, overall, he gassed. And Canelo said afterwards, look, that was my plan. I was going to kind of go slow the first few rounds and really wait. And I think what happened was I think Canelo was surprised by Kovalev in the mid rounds, how much he was able to box and keep him at length. And even though Canelo was landing big counter shots, Mike, did you ever see Kovalev in trouble until round 11 or bothered? He took a step back maybe, but he was never bothered.
1: Canelo was landing some big body shots in those uh, middle rounds from basically two through nine or through where he took the break. And, those were some big shots, and Kovalev didn't really flinch. So, I have so he got the best of Kovalev,
0: right? He got the best of this version of Kovalev. So, yes. we cannot take anything away from Big Red
1: there. No, definitely not taking anything away from Canelo. He came in there and he brought it tonight. My question to you is: spinning it forward. Yes. How how does he look in this next fight? Let's say the next fight's at one hundred and sixty.
0: Big question right there. Um, can
1: can he shed this this muscle that he put on to get there? Is he going to be the same fighter cutting back down that way?
0: The the scare factor is Roy Jones.
1: Moved up to heavyweight to fight John Ruiz.
0: Did it all by adding muscle. I think he weighed in at like 193 or 195 for that fight. and was a brick-ish house. And then, of course, way too soon. He's bored. He doesn't know what to do. Tarver's knocking on his door. Tarver's showing up everywhere. He's finally like, all right, Tarver, I'll fight you is a dead body in that fight, but people forget. People remember the knockout and the rematch. They forget the first fight when Roy Jones Jr. gutted that fight the hell out to win a close decision and then signs up for an immediate rematch and gets knocked and sent to hell because, yes, stripping down a muscle leaves you in bad territory. Oscar had to do it against Manny, let's not forget, in that catchweight fight and was a zombie. Chris Bird, that time he moved from heavyweight down to light heavyweight, was going to go to cruiser. Kept shedding pounds, went to light heavyweight, and Sean George sent him to hell. So, Mikey, you would have that fear, but Canelo was asked about that at Tuesday's Grand Arrival when he met with reporters. He said he's not putting on muscle for this. He said he got to 175 simply by not cutting weight, by, you know, cutting down on the cardio. And, and, and so, in that regard, he thinks he's fine. I think it is something we have to watch closely, but I think what Canelo is showing us. With the move to 175, not being compromised at all at that weight, having the speed and the power, and I know, look, I don't want to be the guy who who cheers Sosa McGuire and and acts like everything's fine, okay? the the the, the athletes are gonna beat the testers in. You know, most times, most times. OK, so we have to have an asterisk for everything. Manny Pacquiao at 40 winning. We have to have an asterisk. He beat freaking unbeaten Keith Thurman. OK, Juan Manuel Marquez pumping up with back knee and knocking Pacquiao to hell at age 40. Yep, probably not cool either. I'm not accusing anyone, but you would understand the situation right now. Right. Where's where's Angel? Angel, where are you? Come on. Let me let me let me find this guy really quick. He understands this game. He understands what I'm trying to talk about. If only he knows where he is on the soundboard. All right, then what a waste of time on this show.
1: <laughs> we did. Dope. We've been doing doping from the beginning. Yes, we've
0: been doing doping from the beginning. By the way, I heard Evander Holy. Did you see? Did you listen to Evander Holyfield's interview with Joe Rogan? It was like a, in the past six months. On the Joe Rogan podcast.
1: Listen to the podcast. You'll have to refresh my memory a little bit. Okay, it was great. On. It was a great interview. Vander is a, is a, you
0: know, they just talked about his history with Tyson and all that stuff. But there's this moment, and now you have to remember, okay, Holyfield's son, we'll talk about in a second, Evan Holyfield has his pro debut. Evan Fields was that name that they found on like that steroid list in the 90s that traced back to Holyfield's house with the same address and phone number. So people think that was his steroid pseudo name and never got proven true, but that was the rumor. And if you look back at Holyfield being that jacked and some of the things you would understand that maybe, maybe he did that. So in that Joe Rogan interview, Joe's like, man, you were ahead of the game on building up your body and all the stuff. And you had so much heart. How did you do it? Do you know what his answer was? Well, I was juicing. I was juicing like early on before everybody and he actually meant juicing like. Like, drinking fruit juices. And for like – and I was putting up my Christmas lights in in October, by the way. It was last week. I was putting up my Christmas lights, listening to this in the headphones on a ladder that was not sturdy up on my things because last year I did not put up the Christmas lights and my wife has not – let me forget this. So – I had to do it in in October as, like, a get-back gift. I almost fell off the ladder because I was, like, OS oh, for, like, five seconds. Like, did he just come out and admit this? It was crazy. Anyway, I forgot how we got there. Yes, Canelo looked great. We have to understand that um, we've been doing doping from the beginning. Some people are doping. But Canelo is so great that I don't have the fear of him going back down to 60 because he's so great that I figure he'll figure it out. Because the super greats of all time, Mikey – And again, some of them are doping. We don't know who, but they have an ability to go to a new weight class. Think Manny Pacquiao and just have their speed and power carry with them or Roberto Duran or anybody who is all time great. You can float divisions and just make it happen. So when Canelo this week says, hey, who knows? Maybe I'll go to cruiserweight one day. And we're all like, oh, my God, how big are that man's balls? Part of us are thinking, man, I really want to see that because I think he can do it. So when we're talking about the future, I think he goes back down to 60 because there's more business. Canelo wants history, number one, okay? He made giant history tonight. First simultaneous three-division champion. Is that completely legit? No. It's half BS because when he beat Rocky Fielding, it was the WBA secondary bastardized Mayan championship, and everyone on TV and in the record books are like, Just forgot that happened, that he never actually beat Calum Smith, that he really beat Rocky Fielding. Okay, nobody really cares. He also became the fourth four-time Mexican champion. So he's already making this history. But I don't think there's any other history to make because you're telling me this guy's going to move up and fight Arthur Betterbeev. I know he's talking a big game, but there'd be no reason to do that because nobody knows Arthur Betterbeev outside of hardcore boxing fans, so he can't make the money. So if he can't make the history and make money while he's doing it, he'll go back to… Making the money. And at one sixty DeZone has the money. All right. They've got Triple G. They've got Demetrius Andre with a title. They've got, you know, Danny Jacobs, I know he moved up, but they got Chavez lingering when he's not ducking out on Vada test. They got people there. What I'm saying is they got names he can make it. He was asked after the fight by Chris Mannix at Dizone, would you fight Triple G again? He gave the same standard answer he's been giving, which is I have nothing to prove. I fought him for twenty-four rounds. I beat him. But if the people want it, it's business. I will do that. So to answer your question completely long-winded, Mike, I think it goes back down to 60. I think there's business there. But I think he's going to try to find another white whale to go after that will motivate him.
1: Okay. So Brian Campbell is the matchmaker making Canelo Alvarez's next match. Who are you setting him up with?
0: Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take a, a couple here and go back on something. Rafe Bugs, who normally sits in this chair, Rafe Bartholomew from was like, you know what? What if Canelo beats Kovalev and then fights Andre Ward at 175? And I lambasted him. And I was like, dude, Canelo would never do that because Ward's still got something. Was he? 35? He's still got something. And he's got skills. He's not a limited puncher like Kovalev, even though guess what? Kovalev didn't fight like a limited puncher tonight. He fought like a boxer and it was great. And I just said, no, man, you know, like there's not a lot to prove there. Ward's not a big money mover, but Ward is one of the best of this modern era, retired, undefeated as pound for pound king. I actually think we might see that without, without like, because Ward's only going to come back for something massive but also a fight that he thinks he can win. And with Canelo being that small, even though he just proved that he could take a light heavyweight punch and knocked out one of the biggest light heavyweight punchers of all time, I think Ward looks at that as having a size advantage, and he probably knows he's going to have a speed disadvantage, but he can offset that with timing. And he probably thinks, because Andre Ward can fight every style, Andre Ward probably thinks he can bully Canelo. So he would do it, and if you're Canelo, right – You're thinking, okay, there's no history I can make title-wise unless I go to Cruiser. So why don't I fight – why don't I give the first L to one of the best of this modern era? Because you know what the all-time greats do? They cannot live with themselves knowing that there may be someone out there who's better than them. It's the reason why we got so mad during the Mayweather era. Yeah, he ended up fighting everybody, but he fought them all on his own times, on his own terms. The real greatest of all time are like – I can't live if you think that there's somebody that's better than me. I must fight him. I could totally see, even though Andre Ward works for ESPN as an announcer, I could see him coming back and fighting Canelo and it being an insane X's and O's, like, wet dream for the hardcore fans. I,
1: You, you got me excited over here. <laughs> Listen to that. I, uh, That would not have been anywhere in my guessbook of who you would have liked to see him face, but this is now probably my top choice now after you just sold me on that and and like i
0: said it wouldn't happen because i figured coming in that alvarez would not look this good at let even though i predicted he would knock out kovalev i kind of assumed kovalev would knock himself out in some to some degree if that makes sense um but with canelo looking this good yeah man that's a fight that's a fight dude that's a freaking great fight but you know what i think will happen He's going to fight Triple G next year. I don't know if it's next, but he's going to fight Triple G. And he might stop Triple G. And I hate saying that because I love Triple G. But he might stop our old man Triple G there. I don't want to go any further without us talking about um, this unprecedented garbage that we saw. So DZone announces, what, a day before the fight that, hey, fight fans, we love you. We're not starting our show until UFC 244 goes off the air. Initially, we're like... I think that's a great thing for fans, right? You're not competing. I don't think we realized the S show that this became. So, zone is slow pacing their card because they're down to like three fights left at the same time UFC has like seven.
1: We, we got to the main card of UFC and we had three fights including Canelo Kovalev left. So, in the end... Canelo and Kovalev
0: are in the locker room with their shirt off, warming up with the gloves on and taped. And they went on to wait 90 minutes to fight, including these pathetic pictures coming out of the locker room of them laying on a couch, looking miserable, sad, defeated to the point that I thought that was going to be Kovalev's self-excuse to give himself to walk in and fall on a sword. In fact, when he finally stepped up into the ring, I'm texting, I'm shooting messages. People go, look, He's dead inside. Look at it like he's walking slow. He looks confused. He looks disoriented. So to offset that for the in arena experience in MGM Grand, they did a wildly unprecedented move by the MGM Grand people. Shout out to Scott Gertner and folks there reaching out to ESPN, which put on the UFC 244 pay-per-view and saying, can we put this on in our arena live while we wait for it to end? They played UFC 244's main event inside of the MGM Grand Arena with the volume on. So if you're in... The only people that this benefited for was if you're in the arena and you care about this fight like crazy. Because now you're going to get to watch both back-to-back. If you were watching at home on DAZN, you got... Some vamping. You got some Brian Kenny bringing on some baseball analysts. I heard there was a round table with some boxing writers up above the arena. There was just some bullish. I want to tell you right now, this was um, this was bush league. This was minor league. This was a bad look for Dizon. And I know that you read a tweet from Mike Coppinger that essentially says, even though it got ripped all over social media that it led to giant traffic, which was the point. They wanted to wait out the end of Diaz Mazvidal, knowing that everybody would then turn back to turn on Dizone or last minute pay the twenty bucks, which is a great deal, by the way. Great deal, by the way. I don't know how Dizone's gonna pay off uh Alvarez's thirty five million per fight deal, but a great deal. Um it's a worse look to your optics. Okay, we had Joseph Markovsky uh in a colorful interview this week on the pod, and it disones Northeast, uh, or what is he, the EVP of the North, of North America, whatever. And I gave him a little business about them going into business in Saudi Arabia and putting that fight on at a really bad time up against the SEC championship on CBS. But in the end, they're getting so many millions that they just justify it. It's still a bad look. And this was a way worse look. Why? Because you're in this game to compete. Let's not forget that in the last few days, the zone CEO James Rushton, the British bloke, said publicly, We're declaring war against the UFC. We have Bellator and we're coming after them. Okay. So people laughed at that comment. And now you're kowtowing blatantly to the UFC. If you're going to compete, do you know what it means? It means you believe your product is better than any other product. So what do you do? You go head to freaking head. It's like when people go. Oh, well, you know, I'll give WWE a pass by having the lowest ratings on Raw of all time because they're going up against a presidential debate or they're going up against whatever. Dude, I don't care what you're going up against. You're here to compete and make your, you're here to make people have to come to your broadcast because they hear what's going on. Okay. So that's the foundation. Number two, there's a way to punt without everybody knowing that you're going to punt. You know how you do that? You go, Hey, quick researcher over there. When was the starting time for the last seven UFC pay-per-view main events? And they go, well, it's an average time of 12.22. All right, we put Canelo and Kovalev on at 11 p.m. Eastern. After college football and before the UFC main event, and guess what? Everybody watches Canelo. And you may actually steal the thunder from the UFC from that.
1: Yeah, so we were sitting there, and before the co-main event started for UFC, they were already out of fights, and... We sat there for the forty-five minutes of the co-main event, and then they threw on the sound without saying anything to anyone. The Rock actually walked out, and the crowd erupted yes. in stadium. So the reacting. the
0: MGM Grand crowd <laughs> erupted because they thought the Rock was inside there with a UFC BMF belt over his shoulder. That was weird. it.
1: Was it was crazy? So my question is, I, I I don't know. Have you ever seen anything like that? This is been... wildly unprecedented because. Everyone knows they're competing
0: against each other. I mean, good, look, ESPN had its own boxing card as a way to almost like put another finger in the hole of the zone and say, we're going to try to trick people and make them realize Canelo's not on, you know. Oh, it's we have boxing on ESPN. Is this the Canelo fight? Like, you know, like they're doing yeah. that. Even FS1 had a really crappy PBC card. And you're like, why are people counting pro- counter-promoting? But guess what? You did counter-promote, okay? I don't know who had the date first, but UFC and Canelo were going head-to-head. So – you have to give the image that you're competing because you are. And like I said, you can soft punt without people realizing you're punting and you still win because you're going to be finished before that UFC main event happens anyway. And for them to do it this way, which basically says like, we're going to pause our live broadcast. So all of you people can go back and watch our competitor, but don't forget to come back to us when like F you. Number one. two. We're East Coast guys, okay? I've been through it so many times. That main event came on at what, what, time, what time did they get in the ring? Was it almost 1?
1: Yeah, it was 1 o'clock. Eastern time.
0: F that. I've done, We've done that. Manny Pacquiao fought Jeff Horn that time on ESPN. It didn't come on until like almost 2 a.m. It's like, what are we doing here? So that needs to be a major change in general. I've been through it so often with the we're not going to compete against football. We're not going to compete against football. You can still time it where you go on after football. But this whole idea of going on at 1 a.m., it optically was really, really bad for DAZN. And I don't care what the uptick is in numbers. If I'm Canelo Alvarez, and it's a big week for Canelo Alvarez uh, taking out the the, uh, Saul Dong and just hitting people with it and saying, um, no, golden boy, I'm the reason you have all this money. We know about the athletic story. You heard everybody on our podcast talking about it. Bernard Hopkins giving us amazing quotes about Canelo, all that stuff. You have thirty-five million reasons to be pissed off, Canelo. The fact that you carry the stick into zone, okay? Where is uh where is Dwyer? Can we bring in Dwyer on that? Because, you know, let me tell you about Danny.
1: Danny has a stick.
0: Okay, Canelo has a bigger stick, okay? Canelo's waving that stick around. If you're Canelo Alvarez tonight, let's actually break this down, okay? You're the face of DAZN. AJ lost. He got knocked out. You're the face of DAZN. You're making $35 million guaranteed. You have a $365 million deal. You're the biggest star in the sport globally. And somebody has to be the messenger to come knock on your door and say, Canelo, I know your gloves are on. Your hand wraps are completed. You are warming up. But, bro, sit back on that couch for 90 minutes while our competitor 3,000 miles away in a different sport on a different channel finishes up. Never, ever, ever, ever. So here's the deal. People are like, how stupid is the zone of Canelo for competing against UFC in the first place? Because you decide to have this fight, that means you're competing. So compete. If I'm Canelo, I am having a heck of a meeting coming up with the zone where I'm saying, I don't care what you're paying for me. You know, you don't do that. You
1: don't do that to Saul. They straight up slapped him in the face i mean if you just look at if you look at mma with john jones all those incidents they did anything to get their cash cow their big massive star to be able to fight to be comfortable to do whatever it is in their ability to make him succeed and be that star that the company needs and continue to push the fold and grow the company the sport they did none of that it will it's Crazy. I'm surprised Canelo just didn't say, no, screw you guys. I'm not. I'm going out I am, now. I or agree I'm not, with you 100%. I'm not I, going out. I
0: was waiting for him to take that stand. In fact, I was about to tweet out when they did. They So uh, Jorge Masvidal defeats Nate Diaz by doctor stoppage after round three in the UFC main event scheduled for five rounds due to a bad cut. I was like, "Oh, Canelo called that." And that's like Canelo like I could imagine Canelo in the locker room pissing up a storm, DeZown calling up the judges, which is obviously ridiculous and absurd, but DeZown calling up the New York Commission and being like, "Dude, you got to stop this fight right now. We got to go on." The, the worst part about this, even more even more even bigger than pissing off Canelo, is you're telling your customers that this other product is more important than we are. This other sport is more important than we are. This 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 yeah, and here's the thing, like, as much as that BMF thing is awesome, Canelo Kovalev means more, a hell of a lot more. If you put those head-to-head and said, it's free, but you can only watch one, maybe more people end up watching UFC for the promise of violence and Nate Diaz as a character. But if you're talking about importance, historical, what is it going to look like? All that stuff, can, I mean, you had, if you're zone, you had a hell of a of a player in that you've got Canelo moving up two weight divisions against a slugger. Like you had it all. And that's just, it's just, I mean, I don't want to harp on it, but that's, that is bizarre. Okay. That is friggin bizarre. Yes. It was, yes. Okay. Thank you. Dwyer. Thank you. And
1: I'm a, the zone subscriber.
0: So am I Dwyer. And it's still a great deal. And I still don't know how they're going to pay for it. All right. Anything else on Canelo? Before we wrap this part up?
1: um No, no, no. Let's uh real quick. Is there anything Kovalev could have done differently to maybe put up more of a fight?
0: Yeah, I want to say he he could have and should have let his right hand go more, his money maker, his big, you know, cuz look, inevitably when you're fighting Canelo, you know you're probably going to get screwed on the cards. We say this so matter of fact, but it's freaking true. You know you're probably going to get screwed on the cards by uh Usually by a man, but sometimes by a woman.
1: That woman judge who had it even, please, please, that's why I'm on fire. That's why
0: I'm on fire. Um, But he committed to the boxing. And again, it almost worked. I mean, look how close those scorecards were. Who knows what happened. I would have liked him. I like that he was leading with a shoulder and getting warned for it. I like that he was trying to a certain degree to be the bigger man. But, again, how that fight played out, Canelo was the one walking him down. Canelo was the one landing the bigger punches. I would have liked if he would have committed to getting Canelo's respect. And I don't think he ever committed. He committed to try to win, which is great. But win by rounds, right? And how that fight was angling, if he hadn't been knocked out there. And the last two rounds played out like the, previous, like the previous four or five. You would have had a lot of people saying, I think Kovalev won. Canelo would have won a close decision. It would have been like every other big Canelo fight ever, right? So what could have you done differently? He could have let his right hand go to try to get his attention or try to try to do something to hurt him and get him out of there. But the odd thing is, dude, Kovalev tried to win a 12-round fight against Canelo, which is the hardest thing to do, and he kind of almost did it. It's like how much armchair quarterback can you do?
1: Yeah. No, I agree. Um What I loved about Canelo, last thing on it, was – when Kovalev, like you said, was doing that, uh, lower the shoulder, come in to kind of push off. Canelo came back twice as angry. Like, hey, you're gonna do something a little dirty. I'm coming back fine. Yeah, man.
0: yeah, that's that is how men do it. I did love that out of Canelo right there. Wow. I mean, wow. You're feeling it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you're feeling it. Yeah, I that's am. right. That's watch right. Watch yourself, watch yourself, Teddy. Um, I just again, I got to pour one out one more time for Canelo and say. All things considered, rehydrations, tests, all that stuff. Canelo is, is a real man, and I give it up to him. Um, Co-main event, Ryan Garcia. First fight after the DAZN deal. I'm sorry, after the new Golden Boy deal when he essentially you know, played chicken with them. Gets the big deal. Goes in there against Romero Duno. We know he's not a killer. We know this isn't an even match. Rafe said this is basically a Friday Night Fights main event coming in, or a Showbox main. event. he, he kind of right. They bump it up to co-main event because Roy, it's what it is. right guy's a bigger star than his ability has reached up to now. A lot, you know, it's not the first guy ever. He's not as good as he's a star as he is a star yet. Right? Like, like he'll he may get there. We don't know. But what I didn't know, I didn't do enough research. Was Duno goes after it. Romero Duno looks to. It looks to get in your kitchen and and, uh, and find out what you're made of right away. And uh, that left him open, and, and Ryga got him out of there with a big right hand.
1: He he came out swinging, and he, even Ryan said in the post-fight interview, he said he, he caught me with one, and that's when I knew I had, had to buckle down. And that was impressive. Um, Did he live up to the hype in your eyes? I know it was very quick. Yeah, one- it's
0: small sample size. I mean, live up to the hype from the standpoint of you got to – somewhat spectacular knockout yeah and he took a big shot and and showed no ill will so that was good i think coming in it's just like we knew duno wasn't the guy or a guy but i liked most about ryan what ryan garcia said after the fight he said people you're gonna have to be patient like i'm all those big fights will be there for me i'm 21 years old like I'm going to do it on my own time. And that was great to hear because before he joined forces with Canelo's trainers and joined team Canelo. And I think this is benefiting him in the long run, the mentorship that he's getting with his big bro. And he mentioned that on the podcast this week um, before that, it felt like he was close to getting solved. He had a win. I forgot against two, a couple fights ago. And it was that one where we go, Oh, a couple, a couple hairy moments. Right. And that was the first time where we're like, man, all these guys calling him out, they might be onto something. They're gonna fold him up in a suitcase. He's gonna get cashed out. He's gonna lose violently. That's just how it's gonna be. I like that they've taken a, they've taken a step back. He's got the right trainers who can teach him more defense in class to go with the speed and power that he has. He's on a good path. He's on a good path right now. So I think all in all it was a win. And I will say this. That crowd popped for him. And there was another point where he came out before the start of the main event. And the crowd like flocked, and there was a large noise when he came out. Um, he's got three million plus Instagram followers, and they're finally, I think, realizing how to use that to their advantage. Because Ryan Garcia was right when he when he did the stand against them. They said, "Like, look, you didn't build my following; I built it. You're not paying me for the star that I am." And I think that they're they're starting to figure that out.
1: The the following, the Twitter following, the Instagram following—that's one of the few things that athletes still have in in their bag that they can use as a negotiate yeah. negotiating power. And from everything you're telling me, he used it perfectly.
0: I think he had Canelo uh, in his—you know—I think not only did he have Canelo in his ear, I still think part of Golden Boy trying to fix the Canelo situation was let's take care of Ry Guy, who's Canelo's buddy, who's. And that will like help us, you know, I, I, help us move towards the right direction. I think like. that was that was a smart move. But obviously, you you do want to sign him because you don't know how great he's going to be. But he's got that following; people care. Only twenty one. I'm cheering for him. I'm cheering for him in the end. You know, like he's cringy at times, and at other times, I'm like, I don't think he's the real. I don't know if he'll get there. He's not the real now, but he's got the right team. It Looked great against Duno, and uh, that was it, man. Um, the biggest pop of the night though, did you do you remember when Andy Ruiz Jr. and his family came right by us on Press Row? Um Holy Crap, he got mobbed. He got the like like okay, it wasn't the Beatles level, it wasn't Elvis, but I was blown away at the flood of people that instantly stuck to him and then it was like a fight to who can get the selfie fast enough, and to the point where security was just pushing groups of people out of the way for him to get by.
1: Yeah, I was on. I was on the edge of the table, and I actually pulled out my phone, try and get a little selfie video. <laughs> By the time I pulled up Instagram, there were four or five people in front of them, four or five people to each side of them, and behind them, and security just pushing them through. You just see a bunch of random shirts, arms, legs, whatever it is in my video. No Andy Ruiz though, but the crowd popped. They for have embraced. You know, Team Mexico as a fan
0: base has embraced him as their. You know, rightfully so, by the way. But uh, he's looking thin. It's going to be interesting. This, uh, I mean, that's the thing about the zone. I can hate on them. They got slogan Paul crap that I care about. We had KSI. We interviewed him. We're going to get that video out there on YouTube for people to check out. It was very interesting. And they, it's fight season. They got this Ruiz-Joshua rematch that is going to stop traffic on December 7th. Can't wait to, to figure that out. Dwyer knows a lot about um, those type of fights, ultimately. Dwyer, are you, where are you? Are you still here, Dwyer? All right. Thank you,
1: folks. This is the kind of fight that's going to stop traffic. Thanks. Thanks, Rich. Thanks. Guys like this run red lights. Yes. Right. They're up on your face to throw in combinations. Okay, Rich,
0: Rich, do we have enough uh, car references on this podcast or do you think we can find another one? All right.
1: Oh, was a Volkswagen against a Ferrari, and the guy driving the Volkswagen was a bad driver.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, that's Ryan Garcia moving on. We did see young Holy, Evan Holyfield, in his pro debut. Unfortunately, it was an awful stoppage by uh, Robert Hoyle, former embattled judge who's now a refereeing in Vegas. Um, basically, Evan Holyfield, that junior middleweight, went in there for a pro debut against – I have a fight with some some white guy? I have a fight. Was a a Thailand guy with some honky, and um, and he just lit him up for 15 seconds, knocked him down. Unfortunately, no count. Hoyle jumps in. the The dude's not even dead. Like it was just a bad stoppage. But he looked, he looked the real. I mean, it's gonna be a long time till we know if Evan Holyfield's a thing. But you can't ask for a better pro debut than that, right?
1: So when I found out that he was making the pro debut on the card, I was really excited because I watched his brother at um, Georgia. Elijah, yes. Elijah, and he's a tank. He's running through the hole. He's hitting people, knocking them out. And I'm like, okay. Like, I would love to see super athletic family. I want to see what this kid does in the ring. 16 seconds later, I still don't know.
0: Yeah. It was so quick. I mean, Vander was happy, smiling from ringside. So young holy, and by the way, we got a nice – Gift merch bag. Shout out to main events. We have a, uh, blue young holy hat that I definitely yeah. will wear. And how about that, uh, the Sergey the Sergei Kovalev, like, what do you call that Russian thing? It's like a thing. I was, I was hoping you would Jar today. within the jar within the jar within a jar, like the egg beater thing of Kovalev. And each one is a different, uh, different Kovalev title defense win. Shout out to them for making that. Um, Holyfield's 21, but his brother Elijah running back for the, Carolina Panthers, is also 21. And I looked at the guy next to me, Keith Eddickson, and I'm like, oh, are they twins? And then he's like, dude, no. I'm like, are they Irish twins? He's like, kind of. He's like, you do know uh, Evander Holyfield has like 11 kids with six women. And I'm like... Yes, I did know that. So, uh, that, what's, a uh, well, 2019 minus 21? That was a fertile year for, uh, for the real deal. He's, he was spreading that seed well. But, um, nice debut there. I also enjoyed that women's bout that in our interview pod, we got pretty fired up for it. It was a vacant interim. WBA, whatever, with the freaking vacant and interim titles there, uh, Bob. What do you what do you think about that, Bob?
1: Fighting for the uh, interim this Friday, right? He gives a shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, but Sinisa Estrada, Marlon Esparza, both unbeaten, both hated each other. It was the right setup, the right fight at the right time. We kind of cared about it from the hatred between them. They're kinda of, kinda of sneaky hot too. I mean we, we gotta, you know, put that out there. By the way, shout out to Mar yeah put that out there for the people. Shout out to Marlena uh Esparza for having a baby we found out like five, six months ago and coming back and in great shape. So the fight was fun. Two way action, three minute women's rounds as opposed to the traditional two. Love that change. But then in round five, Marlena Esparza gets headbutted and wow. It was like a three inch gash across the hairline, like like, I, this is going to sound morbid and gross, but like, there's, it felt like pieces of brain are f- coming out of it, and she deals with that all the way until the end of round nine when uh, referee Robert uh, Bird is like, yeah, she's had enough. We go to the scorecards. Big win for Sinisa Estrada, but how freaking gross was that?
1: she's gonna need some serious do you even give like what do you do for that is it stitches is it glue that was a serious cut yeah that
0: that's a that's bad and then to see nate diaz and the bmf title stopped and his cut on his right eye was bad but it's nate diaz you know and he bleeds every time yeah and then to see this like yeah, sure. Keep fighting.
1: So went, what? Six six extra rounds.
0: That that was or interesting. Five. We also saw Blair the Flair Cobb's, our boy, uh, race boy, the pro wrestling aficionado, come out to the game. Triple H's music gets dropped early against um, Carlos Ortiz, who we do lament not having him on the pod to find out with his eleven and four record coming in and four knockout wins over that dude named Ishmael. Why would you fight Ishmael four times, all ending in knockout? Um, He almost turned the flair into Ishmael in that in that what, first round when he dropped him. Look, Blair came back, scores a late knockdown, gets the stoppage when Carlos Ortiz doesn't come out of the corner. It was a good win. I don't think it was great. He cuts the promo after he's doing all the wrestling thing. I'm the next big thing, all this stuff. You know, that's great. I don't, I don't know yet, dude. I don't know if he's a fighter on the level that he can talk, and he may never, he may never be as good as he is as a showman, as a fighter. But I have fear that like he's gonna end up fighting the rooster. Like I said that as a joke, and matchmaker R- Roberto Diaz, Golden was like, yeah, it's a great idea, and it actually is in reality. But the point is, I think he may end up being that lower end guy than being a real deal type guy. But hey, he wins, he advances. I saw my boy Malik, who's Bernard Hopkins' right hand man, who's kind of like mentoring him after the fight. We got to, we got to shake hands with Blair, and uh, he looks the part, man. But I would I would slow down on the wrestling and hit that gym, and hit that gym, and hit that gym, because when he steps up, somebody, somebody's going
1: to have an easy night. Yeah, it's uh, there were there were some points where his. Um his head was out there a little bit, and I feel like a uh, more technically sound fighter is going to catch that. Yes,
0: oh, 100%.
1: Boy, you buried the lead. The electric suit jacket with the sleeves cut off with no shirt on under it. I that's didn't what, see that jacket when... when you shook his hand. That's what he was wearing. Oh, he had no sleeves yes. on the suit jacket, no shirt on underneath. Yeah, it, he's, he's straight electricity.
0: He knows exactly what he's <laughs> doing with that, with that regard. Um, I don't think there was anything else that happened on this undercard, right? Nope. It's a good ass week though. Bro, we brought it in Vegas. Shout-out to you uh, producing, editing, getting that up there. Um, it was a big week for interviews on the SOC pod.
1: Yeah, big uh, – well, we have a KSI interview coming out this week. Everyone should go check out the ones that we did this week because, yes, some of the content is tied to Canelo Kovalev, but it is all – a lot of it is still relevant. You got a Vander Holyfield – I don't have Evander Holyfield. You have Bernard Hopkins. Yes. Sorry about that. It's late. It's it late. is You've late. We've been it going is. for, what, 72 hours straight? Pretty much. You have Bernard Hopkins talking about how he wants DMX to play That's him in story. a biopic. Dude, that – I mean, look, I,
0: I love – some people hate Bernard Hopkins interviews because you can get off one to two questions and then he just goes. I love them because they're so electric and interesting, and he respects me enough that he, he – allows me to steer the interview in a certain direction like he fights it but it gives up after a while um that was a that was a as good as it gets man him him telling us the real on canelo and then him being like yeah dmx has to play me and also check out that larry merchant interview here's why dude he's old as balls and he still got it and one of these days inevitably he's gonna pass like everybody else and before he does I want him to get all these stories out. I mean, he was covering Cassius Clay when he, you know, when he rose to prominence and Upset Sonny Liston. He's one of the OGs who was there for everything and wasn't just there left an imprint in the way he covered things or the way he announced for HBO. So go back and listen to that interview and just appreciate him talking about being in the crowd for Sugar Ray Robinson versus Carmine Bastilio 1 and 2. Like, just like, you're just like, Dude, he's been through it all, and when I say Carmine uh, Basilio, uh there's a Dwyer pronunciation that I'm sure all of you uh enjoy if I was only quicker on the uh on the knob.
1: Boxing folklore. Has it that Carmine Bastillo after a fight.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah Dwyer. Carmine
0: Bastillo. Uh this guy Dwyer's unbelievable. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Did you hear Mike? how oh, he says uh Alexander uh, Vodzik, have you ever heard him say that?
1: No. Oleksandr, gross dick.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, boy.
0: You know one day we're getting him on the show, right? Right now he's not returning our emails, but one day we will. Okay, one day. The White Whale, the White Rich Whale. Rich E.D. is going to get on this show. Meet me on the D, Rich, down low. All right, Rich, thank you. Um, I want to tell people this Larry Merchant story. I don't think we told it yet, right?
1: We oh, almost no, killed. No. We almost <laughs> killed
0: Larry Merchant. So Larry Merchant does this great interview. Please go back and check it out if you haven't heard it. He gets up. He's awesome. They had just rushed him over a full cup of hot tea, and as he stands up, he puts the headphones down. And there's this thing in the back of my mind going, "Yo, yo, B, he's old. He's like he's dirt old. Make sure his what is he? Is he what he's like ninety now?" make sure that the cord is not around, you know, that he won't trip on anything on the way up. So he stood up and I kind of looked down quickly and I was like, oh, he's fine. I reach over to like to start typing on my computer. I look back real quick and I'm watching in slow motion Larry Merchant step forward and the headphone cord is not just wrapped around his foot. It's like got like a knot snake grip around his foot. And he's falling face forward. And anyone, you know, you know, your grandma, or whatever, you know, unfortunately, at that age, sometimes, you know, our grandparents take bad falls and they, they don't recover. Like, that's it. Like, that's the beginning of the end. I'm watching the great Larry Merchant with a cup of hot tea in his hand. Like, you watched it. He's about to fall face forward on the ground in front of, like, 200 people. And time stops and people are like, oh, Oh, it's one of those moments. And somehow Larry, the great puts his like left foot out and like squats and catches himself and doesn't fall and does not spill the cup the, the tea, except for a little bit on his hand. That's like scalding hot. And he's like embarrassed. And I rush over and I'm untying the thing from his ankle. Dude, that should have ended really bad. And it would have been my fault and there would have been a lot of people watching that and it, it that everything about that
1: would have been really bad as that was happening i pulled up my linkedin and i was looking for a new job cuz yes. i figured they they were done with the two of us after I, that i
0: i i like even though like in reality it wouldn't have been my fault there's no way that that could have happened and i wouldn't have felt 1 million percent like i should have done something to prevent that from happening i hope he didn't hurt himself in stopping that fall but uh yeah, he must work out, you know?
1: What yeah. how old did you find his age? Eighty eight years old. Shout that was to- extremely impressive. He's quick feet He's for eighty eight years man. old. I
0: love I love rightfully so. We all love Larry Merchant. So shout out to Larry Merchant. Shout out to Canelo. Shout out to the Irish crew, the uh eighty K crew, Alex Godinez, our fan of the year last year on the State of Combat Boxing Podcast. Quality Bloke, all the bros, right? James Bagg Jr., all the people that Listen to our pods all the damn time that yearn for the death of wrestling pods and the death of that other sports pod.
1: UFC are a bunch of skinhead white guys watching people in the ring who also look like skinhead white guys.
0: All the people that wait for those skinhead white guy pods to pass through to get the box. This was your week for boxing pods. You checked it out. You got a piece of it. Look, pro wrestling's not for everybody. I understand the MMA not for everybody.
1: Everybody everybody's different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on. <laughs> Wrestling, I mean, I'm from the hood. I, we don't we don't play that.
0: Yeah, that's how gangster Bernard is. Some people don't play that, but you play box, okay? You play our box. You play inside of our box. If you opened our box, there would be a D in the box, okay? That's the gift to you that we try to keep on giving, okay? Thank you. Shout-out to the Irish crew. Alex Godinia. Shout-out to Omaha. Shout-out
1: to Omaha, Nebraska.
0: Uh, Shout-out to you, Mikey Mormal, for making this podcast happen this week. Okay, Rafe Bug's jacked, but we love that that mofo, right?
1: I was I was looking forward to hearing his theme music. Every He's, time I'm editing a podcast and I hear it, it just gives me a little extra boost for I the beginning song. of the pod. I
0: love Rafe. Someday somebody will hear that song, they will fire all of us, but that is totally fine. And remember, folks, you're the hardcore, you're the 1%, you're the people that get us and that get this grimy sport. You're not you're not regular.
1: You are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. Right? You're fans who keep track of the sport week
0: to week. So thank you for standing by us. We hope you enjoyed Canelo Kovalev fight week. Shout out to the zone, Golden Boy, very hospitable people. We survived another week in Vegas, Mike, without being broke. Pregnant, shirtless. I think we did it. I think we did
1: well. Still a couple hours to go, but uh, it's looking good.
0: Hopefully our flights home will be safe and clean. And uh, yeah, Big Red. You know, Big Red is uh, not Rafe, Bugs. Big Red, your pound for pound king. And look, let's close with this topic. I mean, how far away is Canelo from, from really becoming... A true all time great. A, 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 a upper room true all time great. You know, it, like, basically, we're gonna have to have a hard conversation soon and say, when will he or has he already eclipsed Julio Cesar Chavez Sr.? Now, that's a conversation people don't wanna hear. And I don't know if you noticed the mobation that happens when Julio Cesar C- uh, Chavez Sr. shows up. Whether it's at the weigh in or in the media room, the mob that, that surrounds this man. And rightfully so, by the way. But Canelo is not only knocking on his door to become one day maybe the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. Look, I don't even know if he can eclipse that because Julio Cesar Chavez Senior. I mean, what was he? He was like 93 and 0 at one point. I mean, like he just did crazy. He just he he had that special career. But Canelo's coming. Canelo's coming for everybody. And he got there with a lot of decisions that were questionable. Yes, but he also got there with big bolas. Huevos, right? And he got there by taking on these challenges and winning them. He just knocked out Sir Kovalev in a close ass fight.
1: That was uh, it was exciting. Canelo, we have a message for you. I love you. I made you a bet.
0: I made you a bet tonight. And I may have cashed it. All right, I don't. We don't. You know, we don't, we don't bet and tell. We don't kiss and tell. And this, it's legal to do a lot of things in Nevada. I don't tell you which legal things that are immoral that I'm doing. But what a night for Ghana boxing! What a night for Canelo Alvarez, Saul. But did you see? Did I tell you Canelo's got the um, tattoo on his left forearm of his wife's eyes. That's that's a interesting move there. She's always watching. This guy loves You're, his family.
1: I thought you were talking about a similar tattoo when you headed back to Connecticut. Weren't you talking about that last night?
0: Yeah, I was gonna get my uh, my wife's eyes on my hands so I don't touch uh-uh. anything gross moving forward. You know, she's always 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 looking at me. Um yeah, that's yeah, that's ooh, Vegas is gross, right? It's got the worst food, it's got the worst people it's just the way. It couldn't be the worst weather. Often, um, they're Vegas. I should stop cursing Vegas so we can get out alive. All right, that's it. The show's over, Mike. The show's over. For Mikey Mormile, it's your boy BC. It's our world night. We out.